Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. Jay Posner, sports editor of the Union Tribune. Padres, Rockies, three games, three huge games at Coors Field. Oh, boy. Jay, here we go. Here we go. It is funny, the roller coaster of emotions the last week as you are uh, watching the Padres. That's at least what I gather from the emails that, that I get. Like Thursday, last Thursday, no chance. Uh, by by Wednesday, this team is absolutely they, man. They're on fire! Whoa, look at this pitching staff! Oh my gosh, they could really make a run in the playoffs. <laughs> Lose yesterday, you're coming to Coors Field. Oh no, it's not over till it's over. Oh Jay, I know you've been going through this. Oh, I, I, my stomach is in knots, Kevin, as you uh, as you know, but for other reasons. Anyway, but I'm I just get looking it. at looking at my trusty standings to see where things stand at at the moment and the. Uh, by the way, the Rockies are terrible. Did we did we establish that? It's but pretty crazy it's, how bad they are. I know, but they're at Coors Field, and the Padres have just been atrocious there for. I think so they long actually are forty and thirty eight at Coors Field. Yeah, the Rockies are. Yes, I believe twenty four well, under everywhere else. But I was going to say that's really worse. bad if they. Yeah, but the Rockies have not been good. They've been outscored by one hundred and forty six runs this year. Uh, the Padres are. In the fifth spot right now, we we still have yet to discuss whether we think the fifth spot or the sixth spot is best. I think we're kind of both waiting to make sure that they get one of the spots before we. No uh, question which before, spot is better, but before we worry about that, you're you're trying to avoid the Dodgers for as long as possible. Absolutely, I believe right. anything can happen. First off, you keep going, you keep you know keep rolling, and then. Yeah. You make the Dodgers maybe they're in some sort of series where they got to use pitching without a doubt. Yeah. The number six spot is best, and you got to go yeah. to St. Louis, which is obviously a better team than just came here to Beko, but much better route. Yeah, I would not. I would not argue with that. Um, I, it's funny. I've seen discussion from in the American League uh, over the same thing because the Guardians are the th- are the third team, and everybody thinks that they're the the quote easy team. Uh, and then you avoid the Astros, people trying to avoid the Astros. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's the same same thing. It's it's definitely a, a potential flaw in the uh, in the playoff system, which is no surprise uh, given how they. But then again, it could all work but, out like where the Dodgers get beat in the first round, and you know, I mean. Last year, yeah. were, was anyone predicting the Braves? I know they'd gotten hot and they have good players, but I, I don't recall that the 106-win uh, Dodgers were not predicted to. Right, right. And the Dodgers are already at 104 wins with uh, <laughs> this weekend, and then they come they come to Petco next week. But anyway, the Padres are in the fifth spot, although yesterday uh, reduced their lead over the Phillies to a half a game, and the and the two teams are are tied in the all important loss column. So with the Phillies sure having the tiebreaker, and the Phillies have the tiebreaker, correct? The Padres have the tiebreaker over the Brewers. Uh, so the the three game lead uh, that the Padres have right now over the Brewers is really more like three and a half, as we've talked about uh, before. The Brewers are playing the Reds this weekend, and then I think the Brewers go home for their final nine, they just do. as the just as the Padres do. Um, I believe the Phillies are on the road for most of that most of next week. Um, so you know, look, it, we we've long ago gave up trying to predict any of this stuff. You're right. The Padres a week ago Thursday looked like they were barely barely belonged in the major leagues. Uh, they had the greatest meeting in the history of meetings, and they won five games in a row. Had a two nothing lead yesterday. Had a three to one lead yesterday, and the you know, Joe Musgrove 
left the game early. Uh, he says, they say, nothing to worry about. Obviously, we'll see what happens. Anytime a pitcher has a bit of a dead arm at this time of year, to me, it's something to worry about. It is good that they that he does get a day off, an extra day before he faces the Dodgers. It is good week. that he went five innings and, you know, pitched pretty yeah, well, too. Pitched pretty well, true. <laughs> um, and then we'll, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see what uh, we'll see what happens at that at that point. And uh, uh, you know, yesterday the bullpen let them down. It has not done that very often. Adrian Adrian Morhone had a good inning, and then he had a, a bit of a control issue. And and Martinez came in, and the same thing happened. And look, the the Cardinals were terrible for pretty much all but one inning of this series. I mean, offensively, they had one inning in the entire series, and it was enough to win a game. So, uh, you know, that's what happens sometimes. I'm, I'm, I've heard that's baseball. <laughs> if they'd had two innings, it might have been enough to win two games since the yeah. Padres won one to zero in the middle game. And um, that's the thing. The Padre offense is still so shaky. It's not like you can say, oh, that everything is fixed with this offense. I mean, they had the one game on, you know, the one nothing win, as you pointed out. Yesterday, I, I never looked at the final running scoring position number. I know, like you did, it was one for eight at one They point. didn't get anybody else, I don't believe. It was one for yeah, eight. In yeah, all game, they, it was like, okay, I mean, the Cardinals are going to score at some point. You might want to keep right. adding on more than one run at a time. And, the Car- the and look, Musgrove, Musgrove pitched out of a couple jams as well. The mm-hmm. Cardinals could say uh, could say the same thing. But, uh, but you know, they got you the grand slam. You win two out of three against a team that's winning its division and going to the playoffs. It's hard to, to, you know, nitpick everything and say it's a bad, it's a bad week. But you don't, you don't want to give away wins. And it's funny, I I have this list that that is here where I keep, I have kept all the blown games by the bullpen. And I realized, you know, yesterday I was at the ballpark with you and I didn't have the list with me. And and I thought that they had not blown a game since late July. And you pointed out in your in your story today, that that was true. It was the the game in Detroit on July 27, which I believe was was Taylor Rogers on that day, where he gave up two in the bottom yes. of the ninth, and they and they lost that game to the Tigers. And they had gone two months, as you said, the bullpen had had made games that were close, not close, and they had there were tie games that were lost and that sort of thing. But that was the first time they had led a game in the final three innings in two months and had not won. And and it had happened, you know nine times between April and in the first four months of the season. So that's that's pretty good record. And and look, and, uh, you know, uh, quantifying what a reliever does, you can't do it by ERA or or really almost anything. You can combine some things, inherited runners scored, maybe FIP to see uh, strikeouts, right? But scoreless innings, and the scoreless innings have piled up for Nick Martinez, Tim Hill, Robert Suarez. Uh, Heck, Pierce Johnson has – not allowed a base runner in four outings. Now, here's the deal. Um, I think it's actually three outings. They've all been losses. They have not found a way to get Pierce Johnson in the high leverage uh, situation. Uh-huh. Uh, but but they have, my point is, some really good relievers that are pitching really well right now. You would have thought, oh, hey, what a great idea. You got this pitcher who's a little bit tired, five innings, got a lead, boom. Yep. Things are looking good. It didn't work out. Okay, here's the problem. Yesterday... The Padres dropped to 42 and 43 in their last 85 games. That started June 8th, June 17th here in Denver. Right. Um, they had just swept the uh, Cubs. I know I talk about it a lot. To me, it is a turning point of the season, 
right? Mm -hmm. They were 17 games up. They were in first place in the NL West. And it was like, whoa, they had just scored, I think, 1.2 million runs in in, uh, four games in Chicago. It was like, oh, right. Yeah, that was the the 12-5, 19-5. By the time... Uh, they got four, to. I'm all screwed up with these Monday off games. But yeah. uh, by the time they got to Wednesday and they won one to zero against the Cardinals, they were 42 and 42 since that day, June since 17th. That, it was like, yeah. whoo! They finally got back to 17 games above 500. <laughs> oh, they sweep the Cardinals. Not only will it have been funny that two years in a row both teams swept at home against each other, but this team could possibly could be with a win on Thursday would have been 18 games above 500 for the first time since they finished the 2010 season 90 and 72. That's amazing how bad the Padres have been. Anyway, it's a loss to a first place team, but it's like, now you got to go to Colorado. You, yeah. you know, yes, the Brewers are in a worse place. Cause like with every passing game that they don't win, or that the Padres do win, it's like even if the Brewers win but the Padres win, the Brewers have to really feel like they're running out of time. Right, right. No, there's definitely more pressure on the uh, on the Brewers at this point. I'm, it's funny, I, I looked back on that day, you talk about the Thursday game in Chicago. They won 6-4 to four to get to 41-24, and 24, um, 17 games over. Joe Musgrove was the winner that day. He went to 8-0. He had a 1.59 ERA. He had COVID. At that point, right. Taylor Rogers saved his 20th game um, that day. And the uh, um, Nomar Mazzara hit his first home run that day. And they, they won. And the headline, the, headline, the headline on the MLB app story for that day says, a first for San Diego since 2010. First place alone in mid-June. That's right. Yep. 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 And, so, and so, but as you said, then they, they went to Coors and, um, you know, lost the first game of Coors 10 to 4. The second game, they lost um, five to four after blowing a four to two lead, and um, um, and then lost on the lost the Sunday game as well, I believe four to two or no, that, I'm looking at a different series. Different but loss, anyway, different time they lost where they got swept in Coors. <laughs> eight to three, they got eight to three at Coors, um, and then uh, yeah, they went home and won three straight against Arizona, and then things really you know sort of went down. Oh, thank goodness for the Diamondbacks! How yeah, many times but you're right. I mean that spent? that weekend at, at Coors, which was just over uh, over three months ago now, um, they went back to Coors right before the All Star break, managed to win one out of four, broke a streak. Yep. Yeah. So they're one and they're one and six at Coors this year. Uh, the newsletter today talked all about Coors, all about their record there, all about the players. Uh, this is different. This is different. You know, there's nothing we can do except say, yeah, it should be different. You know, the Padres are a better team than the Rockies, but they have to prove it at Coors. And it used to be a place where I mean, the Padres weren't always terrible there. I mean, they've had games. I mean, a Will Myers, Matt Kemp hit for the cycle there. You know, Will Myers been some said moments. when I talked to him yesterday, um, and I was I, I started it by kind of reminiscing about, gosh, I remember you guys would go there in 18, 19, and, and it was like you really looked forward to it because you guys sucked. And, you know, it was you, you were going to hit some home runs. He's all, yeah, it's really weird. Even when we were bad, we were better at Coors than we are now. So, yeah. you know, yeah. obviously, now here's two things that stand out. Take the past decade 
of uh, the past 10 full seasons. So not counting 2020 when they were actually very good uh, at Coors Field. And I'll always remember right. being in Denver for the big Mike Clevenger trade and the Austin Adams, Austin Nola trades. Uh, that's what will stand out to me. But anyway, uh, so I think also that uh, – Austin Nola showed up here and he caught like nine different pitchers throwing a shutout at Coors Field in like his first game. <laughs> but anyway, um, if you take the last 10 full seasons, the Padres 7-7-4 ERA at Coors Field this year is their second worst. They yeah. only have nine home runs in seven games here. Those two things stand out to me where yeah. like they've actually hit pretty well. They're on base percentage. Their OPS is actually decent uh, here this year, but their ERA stinks their their pitchers have not done well here and they're not hitting home runs um so i was a young man when will myers who at one point was like the third best player at coors field in the history of the ballpark uh Mm -hmm. the last time he hit a home run here uh they're they're not they're just not doing what you would normally do here and their pitchers Terrible place to pitch. Even the Rockies pitchers are struggling here this year. Uh, but they're just not playing well here. Well, they've given up 51 runs in seven games. So, you know, there's no way really to spin that. I mean, that's those are bad <laughs> numbers. Uh, and, if you're, and, and if you're not hitting home runs on top of that, uh, I think they've scored I tried like 30 or 31 runs. I was just trying to do the math real quick there. So that's not enough. They're scoring it's like really- four runs a game and they're giving up seven. You can tell where that's where that's headed and why they're one and six. The interesting thing tonight is that the Padres, you know, skipped over Sean Manea and decided, you know, they didn't want him to pitch in against the Cardinals, I guess. So instead, lefties, they could kill lefties. They do. Right. So instead he gets to pitch a course field. Um, he did pitch okay there, uh, I believe. Early in one of the uh, in one of the trips up there this year, he had a he had an okay start, and um, I, I think Jeff Sanders mentioned that in his uh, um, in his on deck uh, today. Allowed two runs in six and a third in his only start this year at Coors Field. The Padres would sign up for that, you know, every day of the week for any starting pitcher going to uh, going to Coors. They're facing Ryan Feltner. Uh, who has been terrible this year against basically almost every team except the Padres. But what was it at San Diego? Because I, I was like, I was looking over the three starters. You got Chad Cool tomorrow and Kyle Freeland. And I'm used to saying how well the Rockies pitchers pitch against the uh, Padres. But this year, it's not like it's been great. It really has been the Padres pitchers been the problem. But how's Feltner done at Coors Field against the Padres? That I, I did not notice. That um, okay. Chad Cool's been been lit up in his last three. Yep. Uh, against the uh, against the Padres, I think. In fact, I, I was I was editing Jeff's on deck today, and it said something like he had allowed seventeen runs in fourteen innings or something. Yep. And I thought. That, that's got to be a typo or something. So I, I went back and looked and it, and it wasn't. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that's what he's, uh, you know, that's what he's done. That's what he's done so far. So um, uh, he just, he has not been, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to find it here. Feltner uh, has a career ERA of 7.2 at, uh, at Coors Field. Jeff does not mention in here uh, where the games were this year. So we will, uh, 
That's the one I didn't look up or I don't recall looking up. Uh, Freeland, who I'm used to absolutely dominating the the Padres. I feel like the Padres helped him get his nice contract with the the Rockies because the guy knows how to pitch at Coors, but they've they've actually done pretty well. I think they scored seven runs in four innings last time. And uh, yeah, he has a five ERA against them this year, but he's but he's but he's three and zero. So that you know that also tells you something. Chad Cool is seventeen in fourteen. Uh, in uh, in three starts. Here's so. what you need to do at Coors, and this is straight from you know people like that are there, the the, the pitching coaches, uh, the manager, yeah. uh, the players at Coors Field. You need to pitch better than the other pitcher. That's it. That's your that's your <laughs> successful day. If you go five innings and give up five runs, and your team is up seven five when you leave, you had a good outing that day because you were at Coors Field. Is that sort of like you being a group of people being chased by a bear and you you don't have to be the fastest person. You just can't be the slowest. That's uh, you've you got know. to be better than the other guy. And that's something that when the Padres and I'm sure other teams do, too, though, I don't know that anyone struggles like the Padres. The Dodgers certainly don't. The Giants certainly don't. Uh, who cares what the Diamondbacks do? But uh, <laughs> the Padres talk about the Rockies being comfortable at Coors Field. And it's obviously something that their pitchers are aware of. Right. That, right. Right. I have to grind through this game, you know. Um, there must be nobody happier to get on the team charter when they're going on the road than pitchers. Um, so, but that's and you know, you think of hitters and like they know this gigantic ballpark and this where the alleys are, and you know, they have the right kind of hitters for Coors Field, supposedly, whatever. Padres do too, it's garbage. Um, so <laughs> but the the pitchers. It's like, hey, Shamanaya, go ahead and give up seven today if your team's up, you know, 14 to seven. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, I don't know that anybody will say good job, Sean, if he gives up seven. But no, you know. that, that, I, I'm, I'm not sure that we would, uh, that, that you'd be hearing that. Jay, I want to talk then. about something that you brought up the Padres offense and how it's still shaky. So last night, in the course of doing research, if you saw today's newsletter where I talked about Manny Machado, one of four players to have at least 30 home runs, six seasons uh, since mm-hmm. 2015. And that's the most. Now, Nolan Arenado's next homer, he will have seven 30 home run seasons since 2015. Right. But in doing that, I, you know, and, and then after watching Goldschmidt and Arenado this uh, weekend and seeing that, you know, Goldschmidt in particular has cooled off, I, I decided that I would kind of revisit some MVP numbers. Paul Goldschmidt is still your MVP front runner. All right. Mm-hmm. Manny Machado is not out of the running. This thing is not over. I am telling you. And one of my reasons, besides that the numbers are there, that Manny is second, third, fourth in like everything, WRC plus, OPS plus, OPS, uh, for, you know, production numbers, uh, runners in scoring position, uh, game uh go ahead rbis there's a lot of things paul goldschmidt is on the team with the best ops plus in the national league he has nolan arenado hitting behind him right freddie freeman who is a definite mvp candidate based on the numbers and what i see with my eyes has trey turner Justin Turner's out of his mind since Joe Musgrove pissed him off. Evidently, (laughs) Uh, take take it totally out of context, but whatever. Um, And the Dodgers have the second highest OPS plus in the National League. There are like six guys on the Mets in the top twenty in OPS plus, WRC plus. How many people besides Manny Machado? And yes, Juan Soto is definitely in the top five, top ten in virtually every category. But we a career worth slump that lasted one third of his time with the Padres. So right, right. 
Who has Manny Machado had to help him out? I'm just telling you, Manny Machado from this homer right here is still an MVP candidate. It's unbelievable. I, I agree with everything you said. The only reason that I don't think he's going to win is because he's not. It's not talked about. And I don't think people, he's going to win either. But yes, right. And people and people are not looking. People are not looking at it in that in that sense that that you just said. And you're right. I mean, look at you know what would be interesting, and I know you can you can do this. Look at all the guys that have hit behind Machado this year. I mean, you had you had guys. Right here. Uh, I don't have it figured out yet, but it's absolutely I right mean, there. It's it you know Nomar Mazzara, Jorge Alfaro, uh, Cronenworth, Myers, Hosmer for a long time. Um, I, I'm sure. I, I mean, Camposano might have hit behind him. One day, Austin Nola probably hit cleanup at uh, at some point. I mean, Hassan, uh, maybe not Hassan Kim. He might be him and Profar might have hit cleanup, uh, you know, at some at some point. And you know that I, I don't understand. And I, I've, I've, you know, my wife's gotten tired of hearing me sometimes during games say, I don't know why anybody would throw a pitch to Manny here, and yet you know he's got enough pitches, and he's not, you know, he's not chasing. Um, uh, at least very much. He goes through, he, he has these weird games sometimes where he looks just complete. Wednesday night was one of them when I was there. He just looks completely, you know, like it's just not his night. But, you know, it happens. They, he's playing 155 games a year or whatever, and you have you have your bad nights and you're not seeing the ball well or, or whatever. But there, without a doubt, Machado has been more, you, you'd have to say he's been more valuable if you're just going to go on value. If that he's been were more the- valuable. Because right. and it specifically says that's not a, one of it doesn't have to be one of the criteria. Exactly, and and look, I, I'm not saying that it should be, because but you have to factor that in when you're looking at it. It's like who else has this guy had around him this year, and, and compared to as you said, you know Freeman and, and Mookie Betts, by the way, is having an incredible year as Absolutely. well. You know those guys hit in the top three, the best top three in baseball in the uh, in the order. You have the two guys in St. Louis. That we just saw, you know, the the Braves and Mets both have all kinds of great uh, offensive players, and the Padres have Machado. I will uh, also <laughs> say this: Austin Riley, and there are some really good players yeah. on the on the Braves, but not that are performing in any of the metrics or numbers. So Austin Riley is another guy. But yeah. and, and by the way, I did not say that I've made up my mind or even or anything like that. But here's what I love: we are in a day and age where not only can we say anything. But we can get it seen by other people via social media, okay? Um, and 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 when I then go, because I, I I would have said that I would have said, you know what, Manny Machado, without looking up a single number, I would have been able to at least make the statement, man, Manny Machado doesn't have the support some of these other guys have. But right. I get excited when I go and I dig down into the numbers and I go, whoa, it's worse than I thought, <laughs> and and that that excites me. Um, by the way, the number of times that I don't respond to your email when you send me something as a fact like such and such has never gotten a hit here or this guy does this or you know that guy can't hit a curveball and i go well that's weird let me look it up holy crap he hits 474 against curveballs what the heck you-? and I, just so you know uh anyway wait is that me <laughs> I was talking to the you in general, the, the oh, you in okay. general. Um, okay. And I, hey, and that's not to say there are a lot of times, and it's what I love about uh, emails, um, that there are a lot of times I learn from emailers. I mean, there are people, the great thing about baseball fans, man, they can dig into the numbers and, yeah. and there's a, get a lot of good stuff. But the amount of stuff I get that say 
that, that states something to me as a fact. And I go, whoa, did I not know that? And I check right. it out. So like, yeah. I, I, I try to I try to look things up before I pop off. And certainly to you. What, uh, you're a journalist? So, what? So, yeah. So I, you know, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to keep up. That's all. Just trying to keep up. Uh, I'm going to miss you, Jay. You, I'm going to bring it up uh, before you do, okay? <laughs> I wasn't even going to mention it. Um, you Darvish pitches on Saturday. He's been phenomenal, as we know, uh, all year. And I guess that means he'll miss the Dodgers in, uh, if they're going to give everybody an extra day. And, I don't uh, know that they will, though, Jay, because you're not going to throw Manaya again. So Yeah, got, that's true. He's got Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He pitches the finale against the Dodgers. So it was either. So how does Mus? Yeah, but how does Musgrove get an extra? When, where's Musgrove's extra day? Does he get? Oh, he goes Wednesday. Because you have right. the they're, off they're, day. They're separated. They're separated. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes more sense. So they're actually lined up for for their top three guys. Yes. To pitch against the Dodgers, which is I has definitely not happened. Um, no, it has not. Whereas last year, year, both teams lined them up early on. Yeah. Yeah. So this year, so that'll be interesting. It'll be Snell and Musgrove and Darvish pitching here next week to, against the Dodgers. And we did so, not uh, talk look. about Blake Snell and all that Cardinals talk. Let's do it really quickly because yeah. that was brilliant. He was he was incredible that night, and, and it was like you knew it early because I, I remember he, he struck out Pujols in the, with like a 99-mile-an-hour fastball, and I said, uh, I don't think he's – I don't remember Blake Snell ever throwing 99, and then I saw a couple people tweet – that was the hardest pitch he's ever thrown. Ninety-eight six. Just cool your jets, Blake Snell, because yeah. Adrian Morahone is still throwing one mile an hour faster than you. Okay, <laughs> technically, if your ninety-eight six was ninety-nine, then Adrian Morahone is throwing a hundred. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but but his slider. I mean, you can just tell. You know, when guys are swinging at their ankles and uh, and and everything. I mean, he he had everything working. Uh, uh, everything working that night. Uh, you know, the stupid shift. Uh, what can I say? We would have seen history, Kevin. So for those not familiar, Jay um, pushes back a little bit on uh, the only thing that Jay pushes back on more than umpires uh, is is talk that the shift is bad. Uh, so that's- yeah, it just I, I've got to think the people who are telling who are shifting and the Dodgers shift more than anyone in baseball and they've won 182 games or whatever this year. The people who are doing that are pretty smart. If it wasn't working, I don't think they'd be doing it. I can't remember, or I haven't looked up recently, but for much of the season, uh, the Padres have been either number one or number two uh, in terms of their success when in the shift. So, you know, it works out pretty much a lot. And it worked yesterday. I mean, uh, there was a ball early on. uh, Two runs were saved because Hassan Kim was playing right up the middle. Just And now he was in a position where that would be a legal shift next year as well because he was just on the shortstop side of second base and the ball was hit right there and instead of two runs scoring so the really the, the only team. thing that will change is my problem with the shift is the the second baseman playing the right field i don't right. like it i'm sorry yeah. I, I also get the the argument of well don't don't hit it there then okay yeah. I, I got it i got you but man there's a lot of there's a lot of guys who've deserved hits. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I just don't like legislating. We've never baseball's never gotcha. been a sport that's legislated where guys could play. Yep. And if, gotcha. if you want to line up eight guys on one side of the field, you should be allowed to do that. Let me tell and the you other something team should have to beat you. It's like in football. They don't tell you, you know, this isn't the Pro Bowl where they where they tell you you can't blitz more than one linebacker or something. If, if you want to rush 11 guys in the NFL. 
and and you're allowed to do that. And then it's up to the offense to figure out a way to beat you. There's the two things, though, that I'm going to say. And, and I don't think that there's enough respect given to it. And obviously, they – Hitters could change how they hit if the fact wasn't that, you know, slug gets you paid and slug is what your team wants. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, so, you know, you could drop down some bunts, you could, you know, put your bat out and go the other way, whatever that that's not reality, but there's two things I'll say, and it's going to, it's going to hit both of your, you're probably going to be mad at me, Jay, but I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. I'm just trying to explain yeah. some things. The pitchers are so freaking good right now. It's a lot easier said than done. Okay, because if they pitch to the correct spot with that nasty stuff that you almost have no chance. And that's the uh, that's the reason we need robo umps too. Yes, some of these guys suck, but you know what? It's a lot harder to call strikes and balls now than it was 10 years ago, too. I I agree. And I also don't think that changing the shift rules is going to fix the problem with people still trying to, it's, it's not going to fix the slug. People are still oh, no. going to try to slug for the same reason that you just mentioned. But you're also going to get the, more line drive singles to right field, the, I think. That the pitchers are so good. Yes. So we'll see what happens. There's now the, the pitchers uh, are going to have to work quicker and all this stuff. Yep. I mean, it's going to be fascinating next year. And they may year. not this be able to throw like, as hard. This is NFL level change here. This wasn't like, you know, uh, seven inning double headers or uh, a whatever, the runner on second. This was like in-game. Oh, my gosh. And how about this? I don't know what the WBC rules are, but an awful lot of players are going to miss spring training or a big chunk of it because of the WBC next year. I mean, this is going to be on the fly over the winter. I mean, just all sorts of changes. Well, and the and we didn't even get into the the pickoff rule stuff, which is going to change, which is going to change things as well. So there'll be plenty of time for you to do that with your new here. (laughs) So anyway, we went past the the dreaded thirty minute tone sounded a minute ago, but uh, we were just having just too much fun, too much brilliant baseball discussion. Uh, Next week, we'll only be able to do this once. We will do it on Tuesday before the series against the Dodgers. So until then, we'll see what happens over the weekend at Coors and if the Padres can avoid a horror show. And uh, maybe maybe when we talk again, they'll be really close to clinching the playoff spot. We'll see what happens. Bye, everybody.